1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
2: Twitter bleeding workers, your news update, and we talk flying on this edition of Arbitrage News Weekend starting right now. Hello and welcome to Arbitrage News Weekend for November 19th, 2022. I'm Joshua Stark. Twitter continued to bleed engineers and other workers after new owner Elon Musk gave them a choice to pledge to extremely hardcore work or resign with severance pay. While it's not clear exactly how many of Twitter's already decimated staff took Musk up on his offer, the newest round of departures means that the platform is continuing to lose workers, just as it is gearing up for the 2022 FIFA World Cup, one of the busiest events on Twitter that can overwhelm the system if things go haywire. Hundreds of employees signal that they were leaving ahead of a Thursday deadline set by Musk. Sales of previously occupied U.S. homes fell in October for the ninth month in a row to the slowest pre-pandemic sales pace in more than ten years as home buyers grappled with sharply higher mortgage rates, rising home prices, and fewer properties on the market. Existing home sales fell 5.3% last month from September to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 4.42 million. The National Association of Realtors said Friday the string of monthly sales declines this year is the longest on record with data going back to 1999, the NAR said. Sales cratered up 28.4% from October last year, excluding the steep slowdown in sales that occurred in May 2020 near the start of the pandemic. Sales are now at the slowest annual pace since December 2011. Reacting to the tumult and mass layoffs at Twitter under its new owner, Elon Musk, a group of Democratic senators on Thursday asked federal regulators to investigate any possible violations by the platform of consumer protection laws or of its data security commitments. The senators also asked Lena Kahn, head of the Federal Trade Commission to take enforcement action, if needed, against Twitter and company executives for any breaches or business practices that aren't unfair or deceptive. The FTC said last week that it is tracking recent developments at Twitter with deep concern a key focus is the 2011 consent agreement that twitter signed with the agency requiring the san francisco company to address serious data security lapses twitter paid a 150 million dollar penalty in may several months before musk's takeover for violating the consent order the election to fill a city council seat in michigan was settled by drawing two pieces of paper from a bowl days after a six eighteen to six eighteen tie. The new city council member in Rogers City, Tamine Adair, whose paper said elected. Brittany Vanderwall's paper said not elected. There were hugs by the pair Monday and no hard feelings, the Albina News reported. I told people either way, Rogers City wins, Vander Waal said before the drawing. Adair said the election day tie meant the northern Michigan town population 2800 would be satisfied with both candidates. The people have spoken, and they said, eh, either one, Adair said. News and more next on Arbitrage News Weekend. Stick around.
1: Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
2: This week's ArbitrageTrade.com blog includes our cats the devil, Google tracking suit in court, and we talk flying becoming more expensive. All this and more in this week's Arbitrage blog, available now at ArbitrageTrade.com. Now let's go to the president and CEO of Arbitrage, Mr. Royce Wells, for more. Royce, we've talked before about pets. You know I have... A cat at home or two. Yes. You don't have any pets at home? Uh, we fish, have right?
3: fish. We have lots and lots of fish.
2: Which means you probably don't have any cats.
3: Uh no. The fish ate them.
2: Well, there <laughs> are oh.
3: <laughs> the fish ate them. <laughs> Shark, you know,
2: fish, you know. What kind of fish do you have, man? <laughs> betas
3: and piranhas.
2: No. <laughs> I'm kind of scared. Well, you know that domesticated cats—you know—they knock stuff off of ledges and
3: yeah, just to be a nuisance. They're like, they, "Oh, you wanted that? Watch this. That your drink? Off we go!"
2: Right? Hairballs and things like that, um, and ruining biodiversity. Have you heard about this? How does that work? So a lot, of, a lot of studies have shown that large populations of feral cats lead to a decrease in local biodiversity. Now, what is this? Well, cats are, by nature, natural predators, right? Yes. So birds, no. Fish, no. No uh you know we we've covered some of the dangers in environmental population shifts um with amphibians and snow crabs well here we go again feral cats
3: excellent all right
2: <laughs> so are they really the environmental terrorists that they've been been painted to be some say yes some yes. say no you know
3: this is crazy
2: well Here's the thing, right? Con- a conserva- a conserva- conservationist <laughs> biologists will tell you, yes, they can impact uh, a biodiverse, uh, biodiverse area uh, by eating birds and eating fish and things like that, and, and rodents and that sort of thing. Um, specifically, the numbat and wally populations in... Australia. Now the impact that a significant population of feral cats can impact depends a lot on the environment. For example, uh, an urban area is not going to be the same impact as a rural area, right? this is true? I mean we see uh, we see that that there are rodents that that you know, that have uh, have a rain and in urban areas, cats aren't the only predators, right? They're dogs and and large rodents. Raccoons. Raccoons, there you go. And even larger predators, uh, rurally, like bears and coyotes and foxes.
3: There was a cougar off Houston Levee the other day.
2: Cougars? So, yeah. You know, and foxes have been invading urban spaces as well. So, are cats demons? No. It's just the environment.
3: I don't know. That's asking a
2: lot. (laughs) (laughs) You can read more about it on our blog at arbitragetrade.com. The jury's out. Although I've got two fluffies at the house. Are they demons? Are they not? I don't know. One of them knocked over some stuff last night, so I'm mad at it, but more after this. Hi, we're, we're the out.
1: Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn, but not every child can focus
3: on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality.
2: Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That
1: food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in
2: your community by visiting feedingamerica.org.
0: Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
2: An Iranian man who lived for 18 years in Paris' Charles de Gaulle Airport and whose saga loosely inspired the Steven Spielberg film The Terminal died Saturday in the airport that he had long called home, officials said. Maran Karimi Nasiri died after a heart attack in the airport's terminal 2f around midday according to an official with the paris airport authority police and a medical team treated him but were not able to save him the official said the official was not authorized to be publicly named nasiri lived in the airport's terminal 1 from 1988 to 2006 first in legal limbo because he lacked residency papers and later by apparent choice Year in and year out, he slept on a red plastic bench, making friends with airport workers, showering in staff facilities, writing in his diary, reading magazines, and surveying passing travelers. Staff nicknamed him Lord Alfred, and he became a mini-celebrity among passengers. Eventually, I will leave the airport, he told the Associated Press in 1999, smoking a pipe on his bench, looking frail, with long, thin hair, sunken eyes, and hollow cheeks. But I am still waiting for a passport or transit visa. Nasiri was born in 1945 in Salaman, a port of Iran, then under jurisdiction of Britain, to an Iranian father and a British mother. He left Iran to study in England in 1974 when he returned He said he was in prison for protesting against the Shah and expelled without a passport. He applied for political asylum in several countries in Europe. The UNHCR in Belgium gave him refugee credentials but he said his briefcase containing the refugee certificate was stolen in a Paris train station. French police later arrested him but couldn't deport him anywhere because he had no official documents. He ended up at Charles de Gaulle in August of 1988 and stayed. Further bureaucratic bungling and increasingly strict European immigration laws kept him in illegal no-man's land for years. When he finally received refugee papers, he described his surprise and his insecurity about leaving the airport. He repeatedly refused to sign them and ended up staying there several more years until he was hospitalized in 2006 and later lived in a parish shelter. Those who befriended him in the airport said the years of living in the windowless space took a toll on his mental state. The airport doctor in the 1990s worried about his physical and mental health and described him as fossilized here. A ticket agent friend compared him to a prisoner Incapable of living on the outside. In the weeks before his death, Nasiri had again been living at Charles de Gaulle, the airport official said. Nasiri's mind boggling tale loosely inspired 2004's The Terminal, starring Tom Hanks, as well as a French film, Lost in Transit, and an opera called Flight. In The Terminal, Hanks plays Victor Navrosky a man who arrives at JFK Airport in New York from the fictional Eastern European country of Krakosia and discovers that an overnight political revolution has invalidated all of his traveling papers. Victor is dumped into the airport's international lounge and told he must stay there until his status is sorted out. More after this on Arbitrage News Weekend. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to...
1: Soccer, Dad.
3: Persuasion. Okay,
1: okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled.
2: Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time.
1: What, what? No! no!
3: Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercargovernor kids buckle up for more information. com slash ACAST.
2: Royce, do you opt out of tracking cookies and things like that?
3: Absolutely. My data is my data, not Google's.
2: (laughs) Guess what? What? It's Google's. What? So
3: Okay, how does that work?
2: Well, everybody pretty much works on Google these days, right? Whether it's search engine or, or... What are you
3: talking about? I'm still, you know... Bang. Bang for the win. <laughs> Bing. <laughs>
2: Does Bing even exist
3: anymore? Oh, that's a harsh question. Yahoo
2: search? You know. Right. Hey. What was that, Ask Jeeves?
3: Ask Jeeves. He knows a lot.
2: There you go. Doesn't know as much as he, Google, he knew a lot, but he didn't know how to stick around in front of Google, which is the subject of this segment. Uh, Google has agreed to a $391.5 million settlement with 40 states to resolve an investigation on how the company cracked or tracked, excuse me, tracked users' locations, state's attorney general announced. Now, this is really important.
3: Okay, how important?
2: Think about this, Royce. All right, I'm thinking. What is the most precious data that you have?
3: All of my data, hello.
2: All of your data, but specifically. Where you are, right?
3: Uh, yeah, that's kind of important. People, people like to look for me, so yeah.
2: Well, I mean, where you are at a certain time is is the most sensitive and most valuable personal information that Google collects. Think about this: okay. we are, we are guinea pigs with Google. You know, they use our data when it comes to uh, when it comes to mapping, when it comes to to uh to directions to traffic flow and things like that so
3: did you know and you might not know but like all these telemed places that popped up they don't care so much about your data basically you should sign up for their subscription they want your user data so they can resell that
2: yeah yeah and it's yeah it is a huge deal isn't it because uh the the data gathering toolkit that, that Google has generates more than $200 billion a year. Did you hear me? Wow. Did you hear me?
3: So a little bit of money, not so
2: much. Yeah, but it accounts for most of the profits pouring into Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google, which has a market value of $1.2 trillion, Royce.
3: Um... I'm doing the wrong thing for my life. Yeah, I,
2: I, I definitely know you don't have a T in your in your your wealth. Uh, not yet. Not working yet. On that. But we're working on it, right? Yes. So the AP, the Associated Press, in 2018 pointed out that uh, many Google services on Android devices and iPhones store users' location data. Even though they've used a privacy setting that says that it will prevent Google from doing so. So
3: why aren't they being sued?
2: But Google is being sued. AP, AP did the did the news article.
3: Yeah, but... Uh, okay. That
2: pointed to it, right? Interesting. So the storing of such data carries privacy risks and... And can use, you know, can be used by the police to to determine the location of suspects, which, kid you not, I mean, that seems to be a good thing to me, but if you hadn't done anything, why would they be tracking you,
3: right? Well, you, you know about Big Brother. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll
2: be tracking this story as uh, this multi-state suit uh, travels on, and we'll see you in a few moments on Arbitrage News Weekend.
3: Yay! <laughs>
2: no word in the English language is
3: less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date?
0: Sure, um, we'll probably stay together.
3: Probably? <laughs> it's been twenty-three minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can probably swim.
0: Uh, you should wait thirty minutes.
3: Mm, okay, <laughs> tell me what to do.
2: Cannonball! <laughs> cramp! Oh, I have a cramp.
3: A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
2: Twitter has been a bit of a mess since billionaire Tesla CEO Elon Musk took the helm, cutting the company's workforce in half, upending the platform's verification system, sparring with users over jokes, and acknowledging that dumb things might happen as he reshapes one of the world's most high-profile information ecosystems. On Thursday, amid an exodus of senior executives responsible for data privacy, cybersecurity, and complying with regulations, he warned the company's remaining employees that Twitter might not survive if it can't find a way to bring in at least half of its revenue from subscriptions. While it's not clear if the drama is causing many users to leave, in fact, having a front row seat to the chaos may prove entertaining to some, Lesser-known sites Mastodon and even Tumblr are emerging as new or renewed alternatives. Here's a look at some of them. Oh, and if you are leaving Twitter and want to preserve your tweet history, you can download it by going to your profile settings and clicking on your account and then download archive of your data. Sharing a name with an extinct mammal resembling an elephant mastodon has emerged as a front runner among those curious about life beyond the blue bird it shares some similarities with twitter but there are some big differences and not just that its version of tweets are officially called toots yeah mastodon is a decentralized social network meaning it is not owned by a single company or billionaire Rather, it's made up of a network of servers that run independently but are able to connect so people on different servers can communicate. There are no ads as Mastodon is funded by donations, grants, and other means. Mastodon's feed is chronological while Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter which all use algorithms to get people to spend as much time on a site as possible. It can be a tad daunting to try to sign up to Mastodon because each server is run separately you will need to first pick one that you want to join then go through the steps to create an account and agree with servers rules there are general and interest and location based ones but in the end it doesn't really matter once you're in the feed is reminiscent of Twitter you can write up to 500 characters post photos or videos and follow accounts as well as see a general public feed We present a vision of social media that cannot be bought and owned by any billionaire and strive to create a more resilient global platform without profit incentives, Mastodon's website says. Currently, the site has more than one million users, nearly half of whom signed up after Musk took over Twitter on October 27th, according to founder Eugen Rochko. Another option, CounterSocial, which runs an ad-free, chronological social platform that's funded by users. To prevent foreign influence operations, CounterSocial says it blocks access to Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, Pakistan, and Syria. It boasts of offering one-click translation into over 80 languages. It has over 63 million monthly users, according to its website. One of Twitter's most valuable features has been the way it allows people to find information within seconds. Was that just an earthquake? Twitter will tell you. At least, it did. While there's no perfect replacement for Twitter, staying up to date with local, national, and international news is easier than ever with multiple sites. Yes, you may have to pay for some of them, and no, you won't get a blue check mark.
0: Why well, is the basketball court
1: all
3: wet?
2: Royce, are you traveling for the holidays this year? Uh Thanksgiving, Christmas?
3: Uh no, neither of those actually. Really? Yep, not this time.
2: Not this time. So why are you staying at the house?
3: Uh all of my in-laws are in town.
2: That's handy. Right? That's handy, but you know, th- there is an underlying thing to that. It's cheaper, isn't it?
3: Um well, that depends. This is
2: being recorded. <laughs> 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 you're on. You're under oath, sir. I know, right? <laughs> no, I so, love everybody. So Please. here's the thing, right? <laughs> U.S. consumers are facing the crunch of inflation, the highest inflation in forty years, yada yada yada, mm-hmm. and there's talk of a potential recession, and that doesn't seem to be showing up in travel numbers, as we talked about off air. Um, mm-hmm. We are back up to 96% of the capacity we had in 2019, according to the TSA. Oh, excellent. So, I mean, yeah, travel travel is good. But however, however, things are about to change.
0: Again?
2: Um, they're going to see a sticker shock uh, coming up as far as airline airlines are concerned. Based on bookings, they're expecting... Uh, huge demand for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And uh, it looks like travel experts are saying that the best deals for airfares and hotels, they're kind of gone.
3: Oh, well, you are kind of waiting till last minute. This is November.
2: That is true. That is true. But uh, we're seeing uh, airfares in October are up 43% from a year earlier. Um, I believe that. But check this out. U.S. Airlines... Uh, reported a combined profit of more than $2.4 billion in the third quarter. How do you like that? Well, of course, if the numbers are slumping, you got to make them go up somehow. So they say that they're operating fewer flights than in 2019, and that's one of the reasons why they they have had to bump up fares. Uh, Fewer flights and more people. Kind of, kind of make a, a nifty supply uh, and demand. Curve. Supply and demand. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Supply and demand. Therefore, prices are higher, and we'll see uh, flights uh, for for vacation and flights to head home uh, sell out for both holidays: there, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. So, yeah, I mean, we will see some uh, see some definite pushing up there not only that but also in hotels right yeah hotel prices are up absolutely i mean um uh, you know hotels are struggling with labor shortages and and uh, you know supply and demand again and uh trying to figure out uh trying to figure that out not only that there's more. There's more, Royce. All right, let's hear this. And more. you experienced this this week? Uh oh. If we can talk about that, sure. Why not? Car rental.
3: Oh yeah, car rental. I can't get one.
2: Yeah, car rentals uh, are having a serious problem trying to keep up with the demand, uh, specifically because during the pandemic they sold off some of their inventory yep. to offset the business loss.
3: Yep, and now there's a shortage. Can't rob Peter to pay Paul forever, so eventually you're going to have to pay Paul.
2: Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Speaking of, we need to talk about a raise.
3: I'm going to erase that part. Yeah, let's go.
2: (laughs) No, actually, it's staying in the deal because, hey, I run the show. Ah! Well, (laughs) you can talk all you want. Talk is cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday.
0: trade.com.